today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Being a father is uniquely precious. It means that our task as fathers is to be a reflection of God, the Heavenly Father. Friends, this should both challenge us and encourage us. We should be challenged. We don't want our bar for being a good dad to be I'm better than Homer Simpson or whatever. Our bar as dads is that we would reflect the character of God himself to our children. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hoping God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching series through the book of Proverbs, he'll be challenging fathers to properly reflect the image of God the Father. It's a great privilege to be a father, but so often many fathers have low standards of what being a good father looks like. The standard is properly reflecting God, the Father, to their children. Satan is busy at work trying to humiliate the position of the father in the home. If the enemy can bring down the father, he can begin to bring down the rest of the household. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part two of his message, Wounded But Willing Fathers. My dad said his dad was was a great dad, but he didn't talk to him about God a whole lot. He didn't even talk to him about things like girls a whole lot. So my dad shared that after he became a Christian, this is one of the areas of his life that God began to work on because this this call from Proverbs or from Deuteronomy sounded strange to him. He didn't have a, a great model for what that was supposed to look like in his home. And so he began to ask other dads to be able to talk to other people, to be able to try to figure out how to do this. And listen, I can, as his son, report he didn't do this perfectly, but boy, did he do this faithfully. And it made such a difference in my life. Fathers, I wanna encourage you God has a calling on your life to speak about God and the things of God to your children. And not just speak about it once or twice, but speak about it regularly, that you would tell them about the God that you follow and why and what that looks like in their lives. Recently, I read um, something by Pastor Ray Ortland Jr., And he was talking about how his dad did this faithfully. And it wasn't in this weird, kind of overly touchy-feely way, but it was through notes like this. When he was 17, his dad gave him a Bible. He already had a Bible, but this was a special Bible because this Bible came with this inscription on the front. His dad wrote this, Bud, nothing could be greater than to have a son, a son who loves the Lord and walks with him. Your mother and I found this book our dearest treasure. We give it to you, and doing so can give you nothing greater. Be a student of the Bible, and your life will be full of blessing. We love you, Dad, Philippians 1.6. This is what it means, that dropped into the normalcy of life, notes like this get, get delivered from you to them. Words like this get delivered from you to them. And here is the amazing truth, guys. God works through our work. It seems an unbelievable thing that the God of the universe would entrust the knowledge of who he is and how to follow him to us to pass on to anyone else. 
And yet God delights to do it. And through our work, he works. It doesn't have to be perfect, but friends, it should be faithful. Fathers who teach, but also fathers who model. Now, this is not explicit in this text, but if you know a little bit about the Bible, you know that the way you live either reinforces the message of the gospel or undermines it. And sadly, this is partially the case with the words of Solomon. See, Solomon, for all of his wisdom, did not model some of the wisdom that he spoke about to his children. At the end of his life, he was led astray by other women and other gods. And very quickly, you see that his son, who rules in his place, responds with harshness and a major lack of wisdom that ends up destroying the kingdom of Israel and splitting it in two. Now, we don't know exactly everything that was going on there. Scripture doesn't give us everything we might want to know, but we do know this, that that, that in this passage, Solomon instructs his children, and yet his life, in some ways, did not measure up to the wisdom that he delivered. It's incumbent upon us as fathers to both speak and live in line with the fear of the Lord. See, in our culture, there's such a low bar for what dads are supposed to do, right? Like, we live in a world, friends, in which just paying child support makes you a better dad than some others. We live in a world where just showing up and bringing home a paycheck and not blowing all of it before you give it to your wife is a win. But there is a higher calling for us than this. There's a higher calling on dads than what our culture would hold out. There's a calling that we would speak about who God is, but also model a fear of the Lord for our children. And my dad did not do this perfectly, but he did it faithfully. My dad talked to me about the fact that I should have Christian friends, right? That's a good thing for a dad to do. Tell your child, listen, you should have some Christian friends, not just uh, friends that don't know Jesus. You should be involved in the church. And that was good. But you know what else he did? He hosted a community group in our house, I think, for every year that I lived at home. Every other Wednesday, people would invade our house and eat our food and destroy our carpets, break things occasionally. We're not always super polite sometimes, and yet he did it week after week after week after week. And so when I heard him say, son, you need people in your life who love Jesus, I knew he meant it. I saw my dad year after year, week after week, work hard. Uh, There were days that because of his business, he had to work even seven days a week for some stretches. He often got home late. He often looked tired. And I knew sometimes that things were bothering him and things were hard at work. And yet he showed up for his job week after week, day after day for over 40 years at his family's company. And so when he said, son, work hard and work as unto the Lord, for you're working for Jesus. I heard him say it, but I saw him live it. And this is the call, friends, for us as dads. And through our imperfect, because it will be imperfect, our imperfect examples, 
God works. And in doing this, fathers, earthly fathers, have the privilege of reflecting their heavenly father. See, the background of these Proverbs is the first five books of the Bible, where God comes to Pharaoh, and when he says, let my people go, and he gives the charge to Moses to go to Pharaoh and call for the release of his people, he says this, do this because Israel is my firstborn son. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just Israel's God. I am their heavenly father. In Exodus 32, God reinforces the need for obedience in light of his love and fatherly relationship to his people. Proverbs 4 is a call and a model for fathers earthly fathers instructing their children the way that their heavenly father loves and instructs them. And references to God the Father in the Old Testament are actually relatively rare, but they open up like a floodgate as soon as you get to the New Testament. Why? Because in the New Testament, Jesus' work on the cross through his life, death, and resurrection, he, through that, reconciles our relationship to God. And his work involves God adopting us as his children. Galatians 4 says this, because of what Jesus has done, we as Christians can cry Abba, which is the first century word for dad. That God is not just some distant, far-off God who holds us at arm's length, but he is our very father. And in light of this, being a father is uniquely precious. It means that our task as fathers is to be a reflection of God, the heavenly father. Friends, this should both challenge us and encourage us. We should be challenged. We don't want our bar for being a good dad to be I'm better than Homer Simpson or whatever. Our bar as dads is that we would reflect the character of God himself to our children. What a privilege but it takes time, it takes a plan, it takes patience, it takes us showing up day after day after day and seeking to be faithful. We need to be challenged, friends, but we should also be encouraged that if God the Father calls dads, calls human fathers to do this faithfully with their kids, he himself will provide help and grace for that task. He's never going to call us to do something and sort of just leave us on our own like, hey, thumbs up, good luck. I hope you make it. He, our father, walks with us as we seek to be good fathers to our children. God works through our work. But second, God works through the wounded. God works through the wounded. See, I'm aware coming in today that, that being a dad or even thinking about your dad may be complicated. That's okay, because Proverbs 4 is complicated. Solomon is referring to his father, King David, right? But here's the thing. If you know your Bible, you know that uh, David did not meet Solomon's mom in church. Uh, they did not get set up by a mutual friend. That when Solomon asked his dad, how did you and mom meet? It was complicated. See, the truth was, David and Solomon's mom met because David wasn't doing the work God told him to do. And instead, he saw Solomon's mom and started lusting after her. And he slept with Solomon's mom, got her pregnant, worked it out so that her husband would be killed. Eventually, David was confronted 
by a prophet about what he'd done and their child died at childbirth, but he had taken her as his wife and they had another child and his name was Solomon. Solomon was the son of the king, but with an asterisk. See, everybody knew this story. Everybody knew him tied to adultery and murder and pain. And when Solomon was a dad, uh, he failed himself later on. See, fatherhood is complicated, and there are wounds on all sides of this. I'm going to go through a few of these. We could be wounded by their failures, the failures of our father. One of the most eye-opening parts of talking to lots of people as a pastor these last few years is that you realize that there are these big things under the surface of people's lives that affect everything in their life that seem at first to be insignificant. And and probably the biggest one in my experience of talking to folks is their relationship to their father. Everyone is affected by their relationship to their father. Fatherhood is such a unique and precious thing and, and powerful thing and potent thing that when it's misused, it leaves deep wounds. Or when it's absent, it leads deep wounds, that hurtful words spoken can ring in your ears for a lifetime, or someone raising a fist can leave a mark that doesn't heal even 30 years later. And even the best fathers, the most faithful fathers from our perspective, even they stumble and fall, even for them, words escape their mouths that hurt us. And those that grew up without fathers are often affected the most. And this, friends, is rampant in our city Um, I have several friends like John Vogan who teach in schools, and one of the common observations from our school teachers is that many kids just simply don't have dads that are present in their lives. Often they don't even live with their biological dad, or if they do, they often don't see him, or even if they do, it's not a happy thing in many cases. And so what are we supposed to do with this then? How are we supposed to handle a passage like this in light of the fact that we receive this call to be good dads when... Maybe you're thinking, I I didn't have a good dad. Well, friends, the context of Proverbs is honest, but it's enormously hopeful. The failures of David and Solomon, listen, did not stop God's plan. These fathers could have, humanly speaking, destroyed God's people. But God, the heavenly father, carried his people when they could not. In the wounds of our past, if you've been hurt, there are often hard places, but God, the heavenly father, can carry you through those hard places. In fact, David and Solomon and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, are on page one of the New Testament in the genealogy and lineage of Jesus because For all their failures, they did not stop God's plan of redemption. In fact, God only worked through their failures to accomplish his plan for his people. Listen, if you have a father wound, I want to tell you this today from Scripture. Your story with your father cannot stop God's story with you. That wound does not define you. God the Father and his relationship to you is what ultimately defines you. 
And your heavenly father is writing a story where every wrong will be made right and every tear will be wiped away and where in eternity, the place of fatherhood in your life will be filled to perfection forever. So in light of that, this is what you can do. You can leave that part of your story at God's feet and trust that God will carry it. Trust that God will make things right. That that if you've been hurt, that one day you know that God is both just, that you know that God is both just and loving and that one day they'll stand before him. And you can leave the judging to the Lord and you can pray that God would bring them to salvation. You don't have to allow anger to consume you. You can leave this part of your life to God. You don't have to allow sadness or loss or hurt to consume you. You can look to your heavenly father and find healing and hope. I just want to share one really practical thing. I I didn't have this in my message, but I felt like God told me um, or encouraged me to add this. If you've been wounded, often um, it affects your relationship with God the Father. Because when we sing songs like, you're a good, good father, you can't sing those words separated from what your dad did or said. How do you get through that? I want to I want to offer two pieces of encouragement. First, you have to leave that wound with the Lord. If you need to forgive, you forgive. But if your dad is all you see, if you cannot let go of bitterness or hate, that will become bigger than your heavenly father in your life and in your view. So you have to come to, let me, let me encourage you today. Um, you want God the Father, your heavenly Father, to fill your eyes. You want him to affect every part of your life. And there may be some here that need to finally today say, listen, I'm not gonna allow this to consume me. This anger or hurt or bitterness, I'm gonna put this aside. I'm gonna trust them to the Lord. And I'm gonna fill my eyes with who God is. And that's the second thing I wanna encourage you to do, that you should put that aside and allow God the Father to reintroduce the concept of fatherhood to you because it's been twisted and bent when you think about it. And instead, your heavenly Father wants to spend time with you. He wants you to open up the Bible and, and reveal his character to you. He wants you to pray and he wants, you to, he wants to meet you in those prayers. I believe there's some that God wants to encourage you. He wants to bring healing to that area of your life. And he can. And that relationship does not have to define you anymore. Because God, the Father, came from, sent his own son, offered him up for you so that you could be adopted in, so that forever he would be your true father that will never leave, that will never hurt you and will only be good always, forever. This is the truth about these areas of our life. Um, Israel would probably not have written the story of David and Solomon and Rehoboam for themselves, right? They would not have added that to their history if maybe they could have chosen. More than anything, they wanted a human king, but they did not understand that the failures of their human kings were in, in part God telling them, you need more than a human king. 
See, Israel would probably not have written the story of Jesus either. Again, they wanted a human king to beat Rome. And instead, they got a king who came, who served, and then who died. But God the Father always has a plan. And his plan is always for the good of his people. And in dying, in doing what Israel did not want to see happen, Jesus did not declare victory over the Romans, but something much deeper. Jesus paid for the sins of his people. He broke their slavery to sin. He rose from the dead to give them eternal life. Brother or sister, this text preaches Jesus. Have you clearly seen that in the mess and brokenness of the world, someone named Jesus enters into that brokenness and mess with you? God is not distant from your wounds. He is present and near to you. And have you seen that your own failures are enough to condemn you, that you've sinned against God and others, that you have wounded others, including first and foremost, God himself. You've rebelled against him, and yet there is hope in Jesus, that today you can have a perfect heavenly father who can hold you and heal you and give you an unshakable hope of glory in eternity. God works even through wounded fathers. And and the encouragement is this, that we must be willing, that we must be willing to be faithful. This model of Proverbs is repeated in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, these believers who've come to know Jesus as the wisdom of God, uh, Paul is encouraging them to follow Jesus. And part of their task doesn't just include evangelism and, and, and hospitality. It includes being good fathers, reflecting the character of their heavenly father, not, not acting in anger, but in love and, and passing on the knowledge of who God is through instruction. So men, are you willing to stand in Christ today? Are you willing to not stand on your obedience or your good efforts, but instead to to humble yourself and say this, nope, I fail. Nope, I need Jesus. Because if you are, God can use you. Ephesians 4 charges us to put off the old self and put on the new self. This isn't just automatic. We must set our face to follow the Lord. We must set our face as dads to be good fathers who reflect our heavenly father. But if we're willing, God can use us. God is our perfect heavenly father. He will walk with us. He will sustain us. He will give us hope when we're hopeless. He will help us when we're helpless. And we can trust him to work through wounded but willing fathers. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Knowledge is acquiring facts and information about a given subject. Wisdom is the proper application of facts and information. You know, it's one thing to know about something. It's a whole other thing to be able to properly utilize that thing. We all want wisdom. Wisdom is this wonderful gift that allows us to carefully and safely navigate through this life. 
In this eight-part series entitled Wisdom for Life, Pastor Ricky will explore what the book of Proverbs has to say about wisdom. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Again, that email address is radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook, again, at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.